it out quick. We're going to have mulch uh, put around different parts of the church. If you can come, bring a wheelbarrow, a shovel, something like that. Help us out. I think we can knock it out definitely in less than two hours, but we'll try to do as best we can to make the church look good for the winter, good for Christmas and all that stuff. Um, It's been a long process trying to get it done right and done well. Um, But this Saturday, if you can be here at eight o'clock, we're going to try to knock it out quick. So uh, last thing is, uh, thank you for giving. You can see on the screen the the different ways to give here at TFA. But um, we want to finish strong. And if you, uh, just a reminder on the faith promises, uh, go ahead and get those turned in if you have them. They're in the back of your chair as well to support our missionaries and things like that. But thank y'all for giving. Those are the ways you can give on the screen. And let's pray over that this morning. Heavenly Father, we go before you again. We thank you, God, that we have the ability to give to your kingdom. Lord, I thank you for every dollar given, and may it go to your purposes, to what you have for this church as well as for the body of Christ. Lord, help us to continue to make a difference here in Tuscaloosa as well as everywhere we support God. We know that we are part of planting seeds and sowing the gospel and seeing people come into your kingdom in different uh, cities and different countries around the world. And so, Lord, I pray a blessing over the, the money given this morning, the tithes and offering, Lord. We pray it go to your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, one thing that uh, I'd like to mention to you, I think we've had this uh, announced before, but next Sunday, Virginia and Ivan Balmasoff is going to be with us. Uh, you might remember her name as Mathis, Virginia Mathis. Uh, her family's out of, uh, I think, Evangel Temple in Montgomery. Uh, her whole family was over in Russia when she was, uh, uh, I guess, a teenager, and then they came home, and then she went back as a U.S. Uh, or a world missionary to, uh, she, she was in Habarsk, which is about as far east Russia as you can get, also Moscow, and, you know, these things happen. She met a young Russian national. And uh, they got married just shortly before the war broke out. So in their wisdom, they got out of Russia as fast as they could, uh, ended up in Turkey. And uh, then they settled in Georgia, the the, uh, Republic of Georgia, not Georgia east of us. Um, But uh, Virginia and Ivan's going to be sharing a little bit of what God has been doing in their lives. And this is one of the most uh, aggressive evangelist that I think I've seen in our world missions. She uh, especially was successful in uh, reaching out to Muslim young students, women students in different university campuses. And what an amazing harvest of people that she's been able to bring into the kingdom of God. So I hope you're here next week to hear a little bit about what God is doing in their lives and what's ahead. I don't really know what's ahead for them, but um, really a great, this is, we've been supporting them uh, from way, way back. So we're supporting her and uh, now Ivan is part of the, the plan of God. So I want to take you to a passage in Philippians chapter four, if you'll turn there. Um, you know, we, we're here in this, uh, in fact, I don't know if you realize this, today begins the Advent season. The first, anybody know that that's the first day of Advent? Anybody know that ahead of time? Well, I got two people, two people in the whole church. <laughs> um, 
I, I always look up things and I found a couple of places to where I printed some things off just to start incorporating today um, and going through Christmas Day, this Advent season. But we are celebrating every day the resurrection of Jesus. This is why we're here. Because he died on the cross and was raised from the dead so that we could be saved. As much as I love apologetics and enjoy studying apologetics, um, way back when Josh McDowell wrote his first book and, and uh, Jay Warner Wallace, I've, I've read a lot of that. You cannot argue people into faith. You cannot win arguments and bring them into a living relationship with Christ. It takes good old-fashioned evangelism and witnessing about who Jesus is, and they have to make a decision. We heard something in Sunday school that, you know, one of the young men had been discipled for the last three years, and he's still struggling with this idea of Jesus. It does come down to that point, do you believe or not believe? Do you believe that he was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, which makes everything about the cross effective for our remission of sins, that the Holy Son of God laid down his life for our sins so that we could have forgiveness of our sins. And of course, one of the greatest conversions that you'll see in the New Testament is Saul of Tarsus becoming Paul the Apostle. You talking about a changed life. Uh, I don't think I'd like to have known him before he got saved especially if he was a believer because he was all out on trying to stop all of that. But is he a good, is he a good role model? Do you think Paul's a good role model? Would, would you like for him to be your role model? <laughs> you said, I'm not answering that question because there seems like there's something coming behind that. Uh, but there's one, one place in the Bible that there's a statement that you could take and just go to the ends of applying it, and yet it's in the context that we find. This is verse 13. I'm going to read this out of the, how about let's just have the New King James Version. I mean, we're trying to check all the different versions, so we're going to, we're going to read it from another, another one. But this is so close to how I've memorized this because we leave off the Elizabethan English on strengtheneth, but it says... I can, he, this is Paul writing to the believers in Philippi. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Just a few verses ahead of that is what our impact girls memorize as one of their favorite verses, and that is verse 8. Whatsoever things are lovely and pure, and you go through all of that. But when you come to this one single statement, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, you can take that alone, but you have to go back to the context. Context is everything. In fact, if you just listen to what he said there, you would think that he's kind of like overconfident. He's just brimming with all of this uh, confidence that I can do all things through Christ. Does that sound kind of arrogant? If you take it out of context, it's like, well, okay. It's kind of like we can't, we can't just jump onto that verse and says, I'm going to claim that as my life verse because we cannot do all things that we want to do because if somebody wants to play this keyboard up here, they have to know how to play the keyboard, right? You can't say, I think I can do all things through Christ. 
I'm just going to take over the keyboard here and play this keyboard. That's not what he was talking about, his abilities and talents and skills. But what he was talking about was the context of what he was going through in his life. When you look at the setting, the letter is, he's writing this from a prison cell in Rome. And really and truly, you don't really know that unless you look deeply into the background of the letter to the church at Philippi. I just think in our, our day and time, if somebody was arrested and writing to the church, they would probably be talking a lot about the injustice of it all and about that we need to get some attorneys to represent them and we need to file some lawsuits to stop this injustice. You don't see that. Now, he's been incarcerated for being a preacher of the gospel, for going against, in fact, the charge against him would have been that he has completely gone against the Roman authorities. And that's what put him in trouble. That's why he is in this jail cell. Ten years or so after they established a church in Philippi, this is in Acts 16, when Paul and Silas, how did that go? They got beaten up and put in jail. And, of course, we know the story about the, an earthquake and they came, the, the jail was broken apart and nobody left. And that's how the church was birthed in Philippi. Ten years later, Paul is writing them and he's commending them on them standing with him. He's in prison and once again, they stepped up and they've helped him. I can do all things. Because of that, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But let's go to verse 10. And we're going to look at the context. And now we're going to go to the ESV. Is that all right? We're switching gears here. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need, and here we are. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Can you remember the last time you were really in great need? And some of you probably said, yeah, real recently. I'm talking about maybe a sickness, a financial challenge, something's gone wrong in your family, there's a job situation, there's a personal wound, there's a, you've been offended, you've been hurt. How does one get to where Paul was at there? With everything that had happened to him, he came to the conclusion that through Christ, I can live out this injustice, this wrong, this whole matter of him being in prison in Rome for simply being a preacher of the gospel. This is the setting Paul is writing from. And he, he will be listed not only after this among who are martyred for the faith, he's, he's, in a few years, he's going to be killed. He's going to be beheaded. And his peace is found in his letter to his last letter to Second Timothy when he's talking about I'm ready now I'm, I, I have peace about this, 
And you know, this was kind of like the way people were back then when they were martyred for Christ. They, they didn't shy away from it. They were not intimidated at all. And so he is at peace, and he had the confidence in the mercy of God. He was unshakable in his faith. I want you to listen to some things. This is a rather lengthy passage. But a few years before he's in prison, not, not too close to the time that he was in prison, but he wrote a second letter to the church at Corinth. And I want you to listen. This is beginning in uh, chapter 11, verse 24. I want you to hear what had already happened to him before he was put in prison, before he was arrested, before he was detained with all kinds of injustices. Here he writes these words, 2 Corinthians eleven twenty four. Five times I received at the hand of the Jews the 40 lashes less one, 39 lashes four times. Three times I was beaten with rods once I was stoned, and I think we saw the recording of that, left for dead, and he got up and went on, kept on preaching. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at the sea. On frequent journeys, and here he goes through a litany of things that he had lived through. In danger from rivers, danger from robbers, Danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there is this daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak? And I am not weak. Who is made to fall? And am I not indignant? In verse 30, I must boast. I will boast. If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. You know, he made a statement with him. He says, I am the chief of sinners. We would think that he would say that in the past tense. I was the worst of sinners. But he didn't say it in the passage. He says, listen, I've always looked at my life, where I came from. And if there was a line saying, all right, the worst sinners, he said, I just have to walk to the front of the line and said, that's, that's reserved for me. I am the worst of sinners because I fought against Jesus and I actually approved of killing Christians and was on my way of getting more Christians in trouble when he had that divine revelation from the Lord. So he never really moved away. He says, I know where I've come from. I know what God has done in my life. In verse 30, he says, if I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus, he who is blessed forever, knows that I am not lying. At Damascus, the governor under King Aretas was guarding the city of Damascus in order to seize me. But I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped his hands. Now, I want to I ask you, what is so interesting in that last statement that he made? Is there anything that jumps out to you? You know, I'm, and, and you can answer it. When did that happen? Shortly after he was saved. 
He goes through all this list of things that happened to him after he was called to be an apostle and ordained to be apostle. He goes all the way back to that first instance when he arrived at Damascus and that's when he was converted. And when they heard of his conversions, the Jews wanted to apprehend him and kill him because they had him coming there to arrest Christians and he became one of them. And they couldn't have that. It seems as though when he's writing this, of all of the things that had happened to him, he goes back to that first intervention of the mercy and the grace of God, the protection of God. And what he's saying in, in Philippians 4.13, he said, I've been in all the situations you can think of, but in every one of them, I had Christ taking me through. I can do, I can face all of that. It's not a matter of him saying, I have ability to face everything. He says, I have weathered every kind of situation that you can think of. This was before his final incar incarceration. What he wrote in 2 Corinthians 11 was before he went into prison. And here we have it. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We need to think a little bit about our priorities, don't we? What are our priorities? What is important? Now, Paul says, what's important to me is that I encourage the people of God, even when I'm in distress and even when I'm in prison, I still need to write. You don't get the sense when you read Philippians that he's in prison. You just don't get that. There's so many wonderful statements in that. You know, I can stand up here and, and preach from Colossians and I can say, oh, it's such a great book. It is a great book. And when you read any of the New Testament. It's just a great book. And here, Philippians, this is a great book because he's laying his life on the line and he's saying, this is what has happened to me. I have the capacity through Christ to deal with all the matters in my life. Now, I want us to think, Lord, have I tried to face things without you? Have I tried to just say, be strong, and we're trying to find some kind of inner strength. And really our strength is not in us. It's in him. When we face things that we can't figure out, what is our first thing that we need to do? We said, Lord, I don't have an answer for this. But you have an answer for this. And you may not answer me, but you will call me to trust you in the midst of hardship. What changes do we need to make in our lives? Where do we need to start saying, Lord, I don't really handle this kind of stuff very well. And it's not, have you ever handled something that's, you, it wasn't a Christian way to handle it. Okay, and you don't have to confess anything. In some ways, we have a greater challenge today than what Paul had. Because what we would do today, we'd file lawsuits. I'm being, I'm being uh, attacked. I'm being attacked and uh, I shouldn't be attacked. I shouldn't be spoken about. No ill should be spoken about me. And, and we just kind of get this, really we kind of like become soft, don't we not? That we don't have this durability in our lives. And, and I think this is why Paul's statement is that should be a challenge to us. I can face all the difficulty in my life through Christ. He's not saying, I've got this. That is not a very good statement for us to say. <laughs> I've got this. 
We need to say, you've got this, Lord, and you're going to get me through this because you will be faithful to me. So many people want to live out their lives, live out the scripture, and then they find themselves in self-condemnation. Lord, that was that was a terrible mistake that I made. I didn't handle that situation right. I remember in the early years I was pastoring here, I'm not going to say her name, but she stood up to interrupt me and I just set her down. Some of you might remember that. And it was not in the right spirit. I knew when I did it, it was not in the right spirit. And of course, it's hard for sometimes preachers to admit their mistakes. But the next Sunday, I was so pressed, I got up and apologized to her. I said, I said something in front of everybody, and because it was in this area, I need to apologize to you. I did not handle that situation right. And I apologized to her. She's now with Jesus, and we got, we got that all fixed out. We got all of that was settled. In the Fox's Book of Martyrs, there's all kinds of people listed there. There's no telling how many were killed for their killed because of their faith. That's not in that book. But people are still being persecuted for their faith. There's places in the world that's a very dangerous place to be a Christian. There's a book, there's a group called Open Doors International. It's, it's founded it's uh, in the Netherlands, and in 2022 they issued a new declaration that Christians are being persecuted more greater than ever before. That's hard to, hard to fathom, isn't it? And they give a list of the most dangerous nations. Anybody want to take a stab at the most dangerous nation to be a Christian? I'm trying to hear you. China, China you're close. North Korea. North Korea is the most dangerous. It's listed the most. You cannot be in possession of a Bible in North Korea because you are leaning against the dedication that you're supposed to have to Kim Jong-un. And you need to be re-educated and sent to a camp to get your head figured out that you don't need anybody else to depend on. You just And they even teach the children in classes to pray to Kim Jong-un. This is one of the most dangerous places. They also said that in the last 30 years, the, the persecution to Christians is the worst it's ever been. And we're talking about all the martyrs in the early church. 30 years, it says this, the nations have risen. They say 76 countries have an extreme view of Christianity and will persecute to some degree believers. 76 countries. Here we are today in a, and I don't know if I'm saying this right. Are we a Christian nation? It's really changed, hasn't it? It's really changed. Now, we're a nation that has Christians, but it seems like in, in universities, uh, Bible colleges and seminaries have really been in the target that you cannot have certain policies in regard to morality and separate dorms and all this. There's, there's a targeting of Bible colleges because of this impact that's going on in our country. And folks, we might not be too far from 
suffering more persecution here. I want to mention Ignatius of Antioch to you. Ignatius of Antioch, he pastored the church in Antioch and was martyred around 107, something like that, 107 A.D. And uh, the Roman emperor Trajan um, gave him a chance to recant. And, of course, he didn't recant. In fact, when he was told that he was going to be thrown to the lions in the Colosseum, this is what he said. Allow me to become food for the wild beast, through whose means it will be granted me to reach God. And as he was thrown in, his words, his last words were these. Let fire and cross, flocks of beasts, broken bones, dismemberment come upon me as long as I attain Jesus Christ. <laughs> and you know what his greatest concern was? was that Roman Christians was going to try to interfere with his death. And he told them to stand down. Don't you go and argue for my release because this is my way of sealing my witness for Christ. <laughs> I don't know if I would be the same way. You're giving me an out? Come on. There's lines out in that, and that's not going to be a fun thing to be thrown to him. But he was, and the same thing with Polycarp. He was 86 years of age when he was transported for his martyrdom. And he sent word, I don't want anybody interfering with my martyrdom. Why could they say that? Because they had an influence in their life of a man who went through all the stuff that we read in 2 Corinthians that he had all of those things, and that became a model for them. Don't rob me of my witness for Christ if my witness of Christ for Christ is in my own blood and in my own devourment by hungry beast. He said, this is not the end for me. This is just the beginning. And that's exactly what Ignatius was saying when he was in the, thrown into that. He says, now I'm beginning to be a disciple. All the rest of his journeys, like that brought me to this point to say, now I can truly say I'm a Christ follower because I'm about to seal my witness with my life. Wow. Did it work for Peter when he was crucified upside down? Did he have the same promise? What about Paul when he was beheaded and knowing that you know, that was like the gracious way to die is, is quick and easy, but he never backed away. You can read his last words in his letter, last letter to Timothy. He was ready. He's like, there's laid up. This is interesting. I, I really think there's a play on words here. He says, there's now laid up for me a crown of righteousness which he was getting this cut off isn't that interesting he says you can cut this off but I'm still going to have my head because this is just material here there is now waiting for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord will give to me I can do all things rest upon two words through Christ who doesn't abandon me in my troubles who doesn't leave me in my darkest. We might think sometimes, God, where are you? 
Can't you see what's going on in my life? Can't you see the pain that we're enduring? I'm enduring, and we kind of struggle with this. And says, God, where are you? And I think these are the kind of verses that we need to say, wait a minute. He's brought me through things before. And I'm, I'm, I really think we don't think we can endure certain things until we have to endure certain things. We will face tragedies in our life. If we live long enough, there's going to be tragedies in our family. There's going to be unwanted death to come to our loved ones. And we may have to wrestle with that. But may Philippians 4.13 become so alive to us. I, I, through Christ, can get through this. I can weather this through him. I want us... I want us to kind of prepare ourselves for greater testing. Do you think that greater testing is ahead of us? I'm, I'm praying, even so, come Lord Jesus. But I really think that the church is going to be tested like never before in the coming months. And if he gives us years, it's all looking to come that way. I want our praise team to come back up. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. We want to be strong, right? We all want to be strong. But sometimes it comes to this point like, I am weak, but thou art strong. In my weakness, I lean on your strength, Lord. So I want to encourage you this morning to trust Jesus for whatever you're facing and whatever you're going to face to declare what Paul said, I can, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I want to tell you that nothing that comes your way has more power than the redeeming love of Christ. You'll never face any obstacle that will challenge his grace and challenge his power. Lord, bring our lives into total submission to you. That we surrender our rights and surrender our demands to your will, to your purpose. We want to finish this year growing in you, growing in faith, growing in valuing that that matters. Forgive us, Lord, for the tangents that we can start going off track. Remind us of what life is supposed to be about, a focus on you. Not really a focus on ourselves, but a focus on you. That we can get through things through you. We can overcome through you. We can have peace through you. We can have healing for our brokenness through you, Lord. And we need you. I pray for those in this room that their faith has been challenged of late. And we need you to show us where when we're leaning on something that's of man and not of you. That our confidence cannot be in us. It has to be in you. And if we've made that step of leaning too much on our own knowledge, our own determination, our own will, forgive us. 
we are only as strong as you are in us. Our strength comes from you. Our peace comes from you. Heal us. Deliver us of distractions in this world that we live in. We have constant communication going on all the time that we need peace with you. We need time with you. Help us to be able to discipline the, the distractions Wasted time, wasted energy on that that doesn't give us any lasting good. We need that. We need your wisdom. And we need more discipline, Lord. Would you stand with me? If you need healing, you need God to give you a breakthrough. Just a battle you're in. I encourage you to come and just stand across the front this morning and say, Lord, I can, I can get through this through you. I will get through this through you. You are my help. You are my strength. And we're going to have prayer in just a moment. So let's, read, let's bring it to him this morning.
Lord, we may see things in our family, see things up close that doesn't look very promising, but all things are possible with you. We want to have greater faith. And many times that's the result of going through the battles. That our faith is strengthened when it's tested. Help us, Lord, not to despise the challenges we face, but to embrace them, that they're going to deepen our resolve, deepen the strength of who we are. And for all of us in this room, we want 2023 to, to come to a completion in such a way that we can look back and say that you did great things in our lives, that you changed us, that you deepened us, Lord. And that's what we want. We want to grow. So bless your people, Lord. 